Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. We were absent last week. Hopefully you guys didn't forget about us. You can kind of tell I'm still a little sick and we thought we had one in the can. But you know what? The last one that we had published was like so good. That was the administrator and oh my gosh, I totally am blanking on his name. David. Oh yes, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David. I hope it's David. <laughs> I hope you guys really enjoyed that one. We definitely enjoyed listening to it. We got some feedback on the Facebook page that you guys enjoyed it. I think it's really great to get that kind of different perspective and we apologize that last week was we were absent from your ears but we hope that the next couple weeks we're Friedman. Gonna, yeah. Friedman, yeah. yes. <laughs> Sorry David. <laughs> so today we're gonna make up for it. We have some guests lined up to record in the next couple weeks so we've got some really good episodes on deck. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to follow David's. We got a lot of positive feedback. So um, if you are right now, we're currently looking for, if you're a speech and language pathologist, obviously we've had Kathy Johnson on and we're um, in the process of seeing when she's available to come back on. But we had a really good question at the beginning of May regarding like what a speech and language pathologist can do in terms of, you know, looking at dyslexia and, you know, is it only the school psychologist? So if you are out there and have any insight as a district speech and language pathologist, please DM us, that's what people say now. Direct yes, message you yes. that's what it means. Or we did get some great suggestions for having um, a public school teacher on the pod and we're just looking for the, the perfect fit. So if you think you might be that perfect fit. Believe us, we've tried to get people on, but. Hey, you know, if you're retired, that's fine. Even better if you're still working in the schools. If you want to be anonymous, we can maybe change What are we going to change their voice? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just message us. Okay, but... We'll do the filter on Snapchat where it's like... <laughs> the yeah. Ooh, yeah. You can come in the office and we can do that. That would be great. That'd be hilarious. But so from the other side, we have today a former private school teacher mm -hmm. who also happens to be one of our law clerks this summer. <laughs> it's just like we're making him do it. <laughs> we kind of are. We totally on the spot today. No, it's fine. We, we had this prepared. He knew about this. Brennan, why don't you say hi to everybody? You did know about this. I did know for weeks. They actually <laughs> they hired me just to do this. Now, I'm Brennan Lund. I'm clerking for Sologi and Brett this summer. And um, yeah, I was a former private school teacher. So... I'm happy to be on today. What made you become a teacher? I've definitely always had a heart for kids. I had two little brothers, and growing up, we were very close. I started out teaching them soccer and stuff like that and coaching their AYSO teams. And then from there, I was big in, in the drama program at my high school, and my drama teacher, once I was in college, had asked me to come back and, and kind of sub for her or do, you know, help out with the plays and everything. And I took a liking to it. Absolutely. Just seeing, especially in theater, like everyone there just loves it so much. Yeah. You know, they're excited to be there. there. Absolutely. And so to see those kids succeed, that was huge for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I really, you know, got something out of that. And so from there, I thought, you know, my passion is teaching kids or at least helping kids. And so that's how I got into the field. And then you went to law school. I went to law school. After. 
that's true. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was, yeah, it was, it was after. No, I definitely, I love teaching, but there, what you can do as a teacher is narrow as far as your scope of what you're able to do. And I saw law as an opportunity to get some other knowledge under my belt or get some understanding of how I could mm -hmm. help students in a more impactful way, more sure. so than just sure. a one-on-one -on -one in a classroom, because you really only have, in my case, you know, only 20 or so students, mm -hmm. and I could be impactful to, in their lives, but... Only for a year. Only for a year, yeah. exactly. And then, you know, you lose them and, and, you know, you get a new a new crop. So I thought from a, a legal perspective, there is some really impactful things that were longer lasting. And or at you least found the perfect clerkship with us. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. I was so excited. No, I was, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was, I'm very glad I so found you So what age did you teach and what subjects? So I taught eighth grade and I taught English. English education was Probably my, my degree. The, most, the toughest subjects for most middle schoolers. Absolutely, no, it definitely was. The administration of the school definitely pushed me to challenge them, which I, I was good, but Definitely, as far as literature goes, there can often be a big discrepancy between, you know, individuals in a certain classroom. You know, some right. kids are, even in eighth grade, some kids were reading at a college level. Some kids definitely were not. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little tricky to provide them with material or with books that can kind of cross those lines or that everyone can get and everyone can understand even at, at your different levels. Did you have any students with some learning differences that like the like you knew at the onset? Mm -hmm. Definitely at the private school it wasn't as focused on a lot of you know the, to be fair those kids were coming in their parents right. had money right. if there were you know unique needs mm -hmm. they probably weren't in my class they were probably taken to, to other places oh, because okay. it, it was you know, a little more focused on academics, but I definitely, no, I, I did. I had uh, three students with autism in my class and incredibly intelligent, you know. That's what was so tough with them because, I mean, they got it more than anyone else did. It was like did. the opposite. Was, yeah, yeah, they knew, you know, they loved reading. They, I mean, really, really excelled in my class. The tricky part was that they acted different and kids in the class, they knew they were acting different. And so that's the struggle that they had was the fact that they would, raise their hands too much or they would say things that kids I mean they would just go over other kids heads yeah. and group work was probably challenging absolutely and just you know they'd have a, a difficult time yeah. interacting right. I think and that was their you know their weight in class it was not that they I can't understand this or I, I can't do the assignments or this is too difficult for me it's I don't like speaking in class I don't like writing what I think because other students don't respond well to that. And so that, that was the big issue that I saw. And just for a refresher for our listeners, with private schools, I'm not obligated to follow the IDEA, provide IEPs and specialized services. They do have to abide by the ADA. However, as we know, a lot of private schools do try to put together programs that best they can support these students. So you would, yeah, did we talk about how we took a tour of modern day. Oh, we actually talked about oh, that. I know, and um, they had a pilot program. And so yes. two of the kiddos that were in that pilot program, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, had Down syndrome. And they'd been in private school for all their lives. And it just seemed like a really yeah. unique program. So a lot more of the private schools, especially in South County, remember there was like this push a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, like, obviously Brennan mentioned that a lot of times students that 
are in private schools the family has money and so they're able to do that but also keep in mind we've talked in the past about seeking reimbursement for alternative placements under the IDEA if the school district public school district is in violation or denying the child a faith then you can seek reimbursement so there are cases where students that don't come from means are able to get to a private school that's why on occasion we talk about private schools and there are some great programs out there that realize that look we don't have to do this but it's something that our students need and they try to serve you know these special populations a little bit better mm -hmm. so it sounds like your school had some types of programs like we, that we definitely did it was a little separated from gen ed they called it like the opportunities uh -huh. track oh, okay. and, and where you know students who had you know, specific difficulties mm -hmm. were more focused in, in those areas. So, Probably like through lower pays. Exactly. And that might be in a special day class <laughs> resource if they were in a public school. Exactly. I think it, that would be like the equivalent mm -hmm. to some extent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were you able to, because a lot of times when we are talking to parents and they have a close relationship with their public school teacher, sometimes the teacher, you know, feels like their hands are tied or, you know, they have to stick to this curriculum in this way with Common Core. Like, were you able to kind of do your own accommodations for students and do your own kind of different things to help them along if they were having a hard time? I think so. And I think that's why in particular this class was successful was just the fact that they kind of I mean I had to run every, everything by people but they, they really gave me a lot of autonomy I remember when I first came in I was, I was telling you guys about this a little bit but I, I was you know I was 21 yeah, yeah. I was very young you know these kids it was yeah and you know kids don't like English class that much and so yeah exactly it's like they're in the eighth grade, so like the age difference. They're already like they're sure, sick of school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah or yeah. they're just um, like, who are you? Like, right, what? right, right, right. I think that was yeah, that was a big hill yeah. to climb over. Being, yeah. being so young. Were you able to use the fact that you were young to like relate to them better than say like and you know, sometimes oh, we have like teachers. Cool teacher? Yeah, I mean I don't want to say it like that, but like sometimes you know when you're younger you're able to more relate. Like look, especially in the age of like technology, mm -hmm. whereas like you grew up with some of it and they're growing up with mm -hmm. a lot of yeah. it versus someone who you know is 20 years older did not grow up. It's mm -hmm. easier to relate. Would this I, help you at all? It definitely was easier to relate. I could use that to my advantage, but just my personal experience as a student the cool teacher was not the teacher that you learned a lot from you know what I mean like they were the teacher you know you could laugh with them and it was enjoyable to be in that class but that was the class that you felt you could goof around the most you know you could yeah and so I can I came in into it with that perspective where I I wasn't trying to be the cool teacher in fact I think I was a little more strict with them just because of that fact and I knew you know they might respond differently if I wasn't tough on them but Definitely the fact that I was pretty close, you know, closer to right. their age than, yeah. than I'm sure any other teacher that I've had yeah. was. Yeah, that, that I did use that to my advantage. I know we did, when we were going, we did, you know, a section on poetry and stuff. And, and we hit, you know, the Shakespeare and T.S. Eliot and kind of the big ones. But I had them do, you know, we spent a week on rap. You know, oh, and, and, and stuff cool. like that. And hey, so, I would think that that would make you the cool teacher. That, say, right. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah. So, when they, you know, we all got to share our, our favorite, like, rap lyrics and stuff. Oh, like, so, they taught, you know, like Drake and Kanye yeah. and Eminem and all, you know. And that was really, really fun for them. Yeah. Not just because, I mean, on the one hand, these are artists that they, they listen to and really enjoy. Yeah. But on the other hand, we got to 
kind of like dissect their lyrics, yeah. you know? Right, and and right. in the same way we looked at Shakespeare T.S. Eliot, right. we looked at Drake lyrics. And what do they mean? Do they, you know, do they have the same impact? Yeah, yeah exactly, well, exactly, Caden, stuff like that. of taking something that, you know, the core curriculum of what you have to learn, but making it relatable to students. Mm-hmm, I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's something where teachers are set apart when they do stuff like that. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's easier for a kid to learn if they're enjoying what they're learning. Absolutely. Right? Talk to us about, so you said that the students that you had, they were living with autism, that were having some of these struggles. Um, what were a few things that, like, you did to help them in the class with those struggles? So the big one, I felt like I, whenever they had something to say, you know, whenever they wanted to talk, because I, I feel like that was difficult for them. Yeah. And that, that was something that was so huge in my class. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I wanted everyone to talk because I feel like you don't really have a full understanding yeah. of something unless you can explain it or yeah. you can explain yeah. your views or your ideas. Yep. And so that was very, very difficult for them. Yep. So what I would often do is that without, I'd always try to talk to them after class and try to you know, with, you know, some kids, I could just say, hey, tell me your thoughts. Tell me what you think about this. And then they could do so. And my kids with autism had, you know, would shut down a little mm-hmm. bit when that happened. Mm-hmm. So I'd always, I'd say, all right, tomorrow, like, I want you to talk because that's what we're going to do in our class. But let's, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to ask you. And let's okay, go over, yeah. let's right. go over what you're going to say. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And just to give them that little bit of confidence, mm-hmm. you know, just the, that is perfect. Yes, you know. Yeah you're okay yeah. like what you're saying is exactly right don't right. you know yeah. try to take the nerves out of it yeah. you know and even if it was just having them write out what they're gonna say because right. i think in all cases just being on the spot like that uh, i mean it can be terrifying it's public speaking um, is in of itself like a class in college right. Right. it's a completely right, 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 right. different skill and mm-hmm. so you're now challenging them with two different things do you understand the concepts and you know because that check for understanding is so key and it's something that I think, you know, a lot of times with our kids with ADHD or dyslexia, Mm -hmm. it's so important and it becomes an accommodation in public schools and the IEPs, but not every teacher does it. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's so important, but yeah, being able to modify it in a way that, hey, we're going to do it in a different way. Still make sure you check for understanding. That's important. Or Mm -hmm. just like even asking it in a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's that's how the accommodation is written or it's like check for understanding like people have different definitions of that so i always like to talk about that as an account like what does this mean because check what for understanding like? yeah it could yeah. just be like i think one iep i had she was i think an eighth grader mm-hmm. and she the next year she was going to go to high school so we were trying to get her to have these skills because she came from private school into the public school and then the check for understanding was like she could just put like her like post it like and it was like yellow, and that meant like, I'm gonna have a question for mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. so the teacher could either mm-hmm. say, come see me after class, or just kind of be like, okay, like, or just would go up to her immediately and just be like, hey, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And that is like a nonverbal kind of like way so that she's not like raising her hand being like, oh, hello, I need help. Like, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that is something that with the checks for understanding, I'm sure that you were able to kind of just tell them directions in a different way because maybe they didn't understand because they're so literal sometimes mm-hmm. and I think that that's often times when a par- or when a teacher doesn't have a kiddo um, oh I've never taught a kid with autism it's like okay well there's like David was saying there's nothing special just like right just go as if they're a regular quote-unquote kid right. and then try yeah. to backtrack well don't to see get what it stuck is. on the yes. label yes. think about what is the actual problem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here the actual mm-hmm. problem was the student was having difficulty mm-hmm. with the processing speed of being able to be on the spot right. and answer but that didn't mean that they didn't understand the content right that right, was right, there. right. so Absolutely. okay you problem solve i think that's a big part of what teaching is and mm-hmm. i think that's not said enough that yes. teaching for 
all kids because no two kids learn exactly the same, right? It's mm -hmm. a lot of problem mm -hmm. solving, figuring out how are you going to reach every single kid in the class. And how many times has this happened to you where the teacher goes, well, I do. And I do ask and they go, I don't know. And it's like, that's probably a learned response right. that they have canned. Well, and yeah. the, the I don't know response is the problem. It's like, okay, right. well, why don't they know? Mm -hmm. right. Why don't they know? Is it because they don't know the content or... Yeah. Just saying, is it a yeah. Or response? it's just like, I'm just going to say that because I have all these nerves and I just know if I say that, you're going to skip. And it's easier than, easier, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A coping mechanism that the child themselves figured out long ago because they didn't have the right supports in place or whatever. Right. You know, sometimes a kid doesn't get an IEP at three. You know, it's well yeah. into fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, mm -hmm. or even later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or even later. And they've learned certain behaviors and coping mechanisms. And I think that that, and that's always like, Oh, I had that one teacher that cared, right? Yeah. That's what we hear a lot. Well, this one teacher, well, why'd she do so good in fifth grade? Yeah. Well, this teacher really cared. Right. And then, you know, Or you get to middle school or high school and you see that they're, like, failing most of their classes. But then they have an A in, like, science. And it's mm -hmm. it may not just be that it's a hands-on activity or it's a preferred mm -hmm. topic, but it may be because of the way the teaching style is going. I think that's where it's important for also parents to kind of recognize that. If your kid likes a class or is doing well in a class and it's different from other classes, or even if they're not not doing well it's important to kind of look at how is this teaching style different because mm -hmm. sometimes that's the key yeah right of figuring out mm -hmm. you know I, we get asked all the time well you know how do you how do you figure out what kind of accommodations mm -hmm. should be put in place because obviously you don't know what's going to work for the kid until you try it um you know there could be a bank of a hundred different accommodations you're not going to just pick from all of them right you kind of need to know well what do we know has worked for the kid mm -hmm. in the past mm -hmm. and so a lot of times looking at well when were they successful mm -hmm what's different there yeah. and that's kind of a good place to start and figuring out accommodations and it mm -hmm. sounds like you kind of inherently were doing that problem solving which is great yeah there you yeah. Go. oftentimes i see in history the kid is doing well not because you know and it could go either way some people love history some people hate history but most of the time the history teacher is like a wacky teacher that has yeah. like powerpoints and notes in here and then they're writing on the board and they're running around or even you know the science teacher who's like has had ADHD themselves and so then mm. they do yeah. like a million different yeah. things and then our kids are like oh my god I love yeah. that and so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I think it's important in middle school and high school you know oftentimes they'll say okay you'll have one of the teachers no we should not have one of the teachers there all the teachers should be there preferably yeah. at the same time yeah. and if that's not possible a group of them at a time so right. that you know if the science teacher is doing something different than the Spanish teacher at least they're there for 10 minutes right. and they are like oh I do this or I do that or I don't see that right. you know because we'll always see oh well he has behaviors in English but it's like well, not in any of his other right. classes mm -hmm. why and the reason why if they can all be there at the same time is like usually like the teachers can have like you don't even need the rest of the IEP team usually like teachers can talk to each other and have a good conversation and figure out like I had an IEP where we were talking about a kid's written production of work and so not necessarily like he was writing, expected to write an essay and he was having trouble with the writing of essay. It was, no, we don't know how much content he knows because mm -hmm. his like written work, his worksheets mm -hmm. were just not, it was like half the amount of work as it should have been. Yeah. And it wasn't until we had several different people in the room saying, well, he does this with me or he doesn't do this with me or I tried this and this worked that then the whole team was like, aha, that aha moment of what is the problem or what is the solution can usually come from that. I mean, especially if there's a disagreement as to like where a student should be placed or whether they should have an IEP or not, or whether an accommodation should be provided. It's like, you kind of need that brainstorming a lot of times. 
Did you mm -hmm. feel like there was a lot of collaboration with other teachers or you were kind of stuck in your own world of English? So the teacher before me, I kind of got her lesson plans and she sort of coached me through what oh, okay. she did. Nice. And it was, I wanted to do my own thing yeah. a little bit. I sort of had my own vision for how I wanted my class to go. And I felt like, oh, this is my opportunity to do like really, really just everything that I think I wanted as a student, I can now give to them. And all the issues that I saw, I remember like going from eighth grade to ninth grade. I mean, in eighth grade, you know, reading The Outsiders, mm -hmm. right? Which is a phenomenal book, but at an eighth grade level. Right. And then in ninth grade, going to, you know, Homer's Odyssey. And so there was such a disconnect. Start I remember like from high school yeah. to from junior high where even I, you know, I thought I was, you know, a pretty proficient reader back then, but I was really, really struggling with some of that stuff. And so that was my goal is I wanted to, I knew they were going to have to read that stuff later. So I wanted to build them up getting into that. So I definitely, I mean, the teachers there were so helpful and they were so supportive and I definitely could go to them for anything. But as far as the lesson plans themselves, I wanted that to kind of be my creation, you know. Was there anything when those kiddos, so you said you had three of them, did the parents come and tell you about it? Was it something that you kind of found out on your own? I definitely found out on my own. I think that was probably intentional. Oh, that oh, they didn't yeah. want... Not for you to like, yeah. I'm sorry. Go no, I don't think they wanted me like to treat them differently yeah. or for that, you know, I think they wanted a, a clean slate, which I, I think was good because yeah. they were all challenged equally. And when I did see their difficulties, then I could, you know, calibrate right. to them. But yeah, no, my students that did have, you know, they had autism and specific needs. It was probably like two or three months in where, you know, you started noticing like them struggling, you know, them having a harder time with things. Mm -hmm. and. You know, I spoke to the department head, like, hey, yeah. you know, any, any advice on this? Like, oh, they do have autism. And so it was at that point that I under understood. But I think it was good to have a couple months under my belt mm -hmm. where I could really see, like, they can, you know, here's the stuff they can do. Here's the right. stuff that they excel at, that yeah. they're, you know, absolutely at class level. Mm -hmm. And then here's the stuff that they're struggling on. Let me just focus on the stuff that they're struggling on. Right. So that way their whole curriculum isn't changed. You know, they're really on par with every, almost everything well, else. Well, you don't know what they're going to struggle with until you're kind of in it, especially mm -hmm. like we talk about teachers who have different teaching styles. Like sometimes that works really well and you don't even need accommodations, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that's where like, a lot of times we have like check-in IEPs at the beginning of the school year to kind mm -hmm. of see how are things going because yeah, obviously, if we can have a student be more independent without having to have a bunch of modifications and accommodations in there, that's going to be best for them. But what often happens is sometimes the accommodations, everything will be left the same for years. Mm -hmm. And then the student starts using them as a crutch. And then, you know, we're not really checking in. Is this really necessary? So, you know, just like we want to make sure that they're being supported enough, we want to make sure also that, you know, we're, we're still challenging them and mm -hmm. having ambitious goals. And I think we've said this time and time again, but the accommodations page should always be looked at. You should always be editing it and changing it, you know, or at least having a discussion because I can't tell you how many times people are just like, oh, okay, here are the accommodations and there's like 20 and you're like, are they really using all of these, you know? And sometimes they're like, oh, well, we want to keep it for next year. And it's like, yeah, but if it's not something that the child's needing, they might not, like you said, right. need it. And then what if in three years they're just completely dependent on it? And it was like, well, at one point they didn't even need that accommodation. Right. So it's right. really important to always look back at those. And something that I think that resonated with us 
when David was on was that label, how he himself, his son, he's like, I don't want him to be the class pet. Right. I don't want him to be the mascot. Like, you need to be, like, challenging him. And, and you were in a different situation where they were just, like, the twice exceptional. So they were just, like, brilliant. And then you were able to focus in on their social pragmatics. Because I don't think a lot of people understand that when you get into high school there's a lot of group projects mm -hmm. and that starts to affect the kid because this is the thing the kid's brilliant and then they yeah. skate all the way into right. seventh or eighth grade and then you start seeing these problems where it's mm -hmm. affecting them in the classroom yeah. you can't speak and participate right. and so then their participation points go down right. or, or even mm -hmm. just that like check for understanding like the kids probably could have skated by on tests mm -hmm. and papers without you checking in on those things and they probably would have done okay but then they're not living up to their potential right they're not being challenged mm -hmm. I and mean, that's what we see a lot of times with our 12 exceptional twice exceptional kids mm -hmm. is that they get kind of lost in the shuffle because they do okay mm -hmm. but they should be having the opportunity to do better than okay yeah. they should have challenging ambitious goals and objectives so we need to be looking at you know maybe they could go on to ap classes or honors classes but they were just doing okay so they were just getting b's and so the teacher's like well they do okay so like i'm not gonna recommend them for that and so that's important like you look at oh well there are these little pieces that we can work on and that allows them to live up to their potential mm -hmm. which i think mm -hmm. is important as we're winding down, is there um, a particular kiddo or memory that you have being able to use like a different teaching strategy or just that autonomy that you were talking about that kind of stands out like a, like a feel-good story? No pressure. No, definitely. I remember, yeah, when I came in, I really... The first thing I want to do is just get the kids kind of in this mindset with like, I like this class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is right. an enjoyable class. So the, the first book we read was uh, The Hunger Games, which was, yeah, it's definitely different and not, you know, as far as like Tradition. literature, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you know like meaningful yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. It probably, you know, wasn't too high up there. But I know like the kids, they all enjoyed that book. Yeah. You know, I knew if I give them this book, they're going to read it because it's just, it's a, it's kind of an easy read and it's fun. And so, you know, at the end of that, after all these writing assignments, I had one girl and we, you know, we'd do little writing assignments as we went along who just, she didn't like writing, mm -hmm. you know, she didn't care. She, she had just no drive for it, yeah. which is, you know, that I see a lot. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone likes writing, but I knew she was a really smart girl. So, you know, when I'd talk to her, you know, she could answer questions. She's really, really thoughtful. And so when we got to the end of the book, I wanted to do, you know, a writing assignment. And it was like, what heroes have inspired you? Okay. You know, who in your life is like Katniss Everdeen? Who you are just, you can look at her and sets an example for you. I think a lot of kids kind of did like the, you know, my mom yeah, or stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Or, you know, like George Washington, yeah. the president, stuff like that, which is great. Yeah. They did really well. But I remember she came up to me and she said, I don't want to sound dumb, but can I write about Ariana Grande? And I'm like, of course you can write about Ariana Grande. Yeah, yeah, which I would have never thought of, you know? Yeah. But I mean, her music like spoke to this girl. Yeah. Like she was obsessed with Ariana Grande. And she wrote the best essay I had ever read yeah, in that class. Was there, yeah. Because, yeah, 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 because she, I mean, I think, and that's when it clicked for her that writing isn't something you're like forced to do, right, right. you know? I think she came up with this idea on her own. She was excited about this right, idea yeah. and when it, got to, you know, when she, her thoughts got onto the paper, it was really, really impressive, really genuine. And then after that, like, you know, all the other assignments, she understood if I put my personal touch on this, yeah. you know, it's more meaningful. And that's, I saw a ton of success out of that girl, who by the end was, you know, coming after class, you know, a couple times a week to talk to me about, oh, can I use this idea? Can yeah. I do this weird thing? Yeah. And so it was, 
One, I love the fact that I was in a position to encourage that right. because yeah, right, yeah. not only did she grow as a writer, but I think she developed like a yeah. love for the <laughs> books that we were writing and our books that we were reading. And so that was definitely huge. So I'm very happy that well, she was sure able to do that. Well, I'm sure even starting with a book that is probably more engaging to students mm -hmm. helps because a lot of times the biggest struggle for kids to read more is to be engaged with it. Mm -hmm. You know, they mm -hmm. read things that are not preferred or read books that are just not entertaining for them and reading should like obviously there's reading for a purpose but there's also reading for entertainment mm -hmm. and I think mm -hmm. if you get kids to understand they're reading for entertainment first and joy then like it helps with the other you can start sort of like blurring them right. together right. a little and bit usually, yeah and usually a lot of times when kids don't like reading it's because they're struggling with mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. right and the only way to improve reading skills is to read more right. so if you right. have right. them reading things that they enjoy they don't know it, but they're learning still. So that's a great way to kind of start off the class. I love that. I, it, you have such a unique background. And I know it's put a spin on your time here, and we just really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, well, thank I mean, you. It's during the. <laughs> 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 we, are, we are not. A lot of the Exactly. Um, laws being violated. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. He, he did this on his own accord and on his own time. But anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed this. Again, we're back. Hopefully no further interruptions, and if there is, we'll definitely let you know. But yeah, we got a lot of fun, exciting stuff. We have an event that we are in the midst of planning. There's just some final touches before we can announce the Save the Date. Keep an eye on our Facebook and our Instagram. Instagram. We'll be announcing more um, over the summer. Yes. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.